Hey, and welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. We are a church that is for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We are passionate about helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. So if you're just joining us for the first time, we would love for you to check out our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. There you can find ways to connect with us and see what's happening at Crosspoint. Now, let's listen to this week's Sunday message. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are present with us. And this morning as we jump into this um, topic of pursuing you, I pray that you would by your spirit lead us and guide us in that so that, Lord, we would understand what to expect as we pursue after you in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we talked about growth. And growth is... Uh, that element of surrendering our lives to God. And we actually talked about it in a different way than what's posted up there. This is the descriptor on the web page. But the reality is, is that growth is really about you making a decision. It's a choice. So from Deuteronomy chapter 30, right at the end, I used uh, the verses there. Uh, starting at verse 19, Today I have given you the choice between life and death between blessings and cursings. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. You see, this is where discipleship starts. It starts with a decision on your part to choose life to choose, to know who you are, to understand how God has created you. The intention is for you to grow up and to mature into the fullness of all that you can be. And so if you took a look at the mission statement of Crosspoint, you would see it's that we're here to help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. But it's a choice that has to start with you. It can't start anywhere else. You have to make that decision that I want to grow and I want to mature into the fullness of all that God has prepared for me. Why pursue him? Well, I like what it says there. Just go back to the slide, the verses for Deuteronomy there, because I highlighted a passage there. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. <clears throat> that committing yourself firmly to him is actually the idea of pursuing him. It's not just enough to make a choice to say, I want to grow, I want to expand in who I am and how I serve and interact with people, <clears throat> but it is in the context of knowing God. Choosing life is to know Him, to obey Him, and to hang on to Him firmly, to pursue after Him. Why is it important to pursue God? Because He's the one that created you. He's the one that understands you at the very depths of who you are. And he's the one that can lead you in new ways. <clears throat> one of the songs we sang this morning, as we were singing it, uh, I, was made, I thought of this passage from Isaiah. So there's no slide for this, so you can sit still for a moment up there. Isaiah 43. Remember, it was the one about being set free. It was the one around the Exodus. That's the song we were singing, how he leads you through the waters. He leads you into the promised land. Listen to this, Isaiah 43. Now, O cross point, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid. 
for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You're mine. Did you catch that? You're mine. <clears throat> you belong. He goes on to say, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. You see, there's this sense of a promised presence that we need to hang on to. And we pursue after that. <clears throat> it's not something that's passive. We need to pursue it. More than that, if you go a little further into the chapter, but you, cross point, the Lord says to you, you are my witnesses. You are my servant. You have been chosen to know me and to believe in me and to understand that I alone am God. There is no other God that never has been and there never will be. You see, it's not just about his presence, but as you get to know him, you'll realize that he has purpose for you. He has an intentionality about who you are and that how he has created you really leads you into how he wants to work in you and through you. <clears throat> so it's not only about presence and purpose, but it's about perspective. Do you like the alliteration? Daniel, where are you? Are you happy with the alliteration? It is about perspective, because a little later on, he reviews a little bit of all the promises God has made, and then he makes this statement. But forget all that stuff that I've done in the past. It is nothing compared to what I want to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun it. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wastelands. And that is part of the promise that we have for us as a congregation. Because near the beginning of my ministry here, I actually preached a sermon on this section and reminded you that God is not done with Crosspoint. That God has intentions and purposes that move us forward in new ways. And so I want to encourage you to realize that <clears throat> the transition you've been going through is a transition that is giving you a perspective that is preparing you for the future. God is present in it. He is walking with us in that. He has purpose and intention in that. And the result of that is, is that we need to open our eyes and see what he is saying to us. So a commitment to grow, a choice to live, can lead us to the pursuit of God. <clears throat> doesn't always. You can choose to live. You can choose to become a better person in all sorts of different ways and exclude God from that process. How many of you read a self-help book in the last year? Probably all of us have at some point picked up something that sort of gives us a perspective that invites us to try to be a better us. It might be as simple as a dieting book. It might be as complex as a workout program. It might be something that is for our mental or spiritual health, mental health. But when we decide to grow into what God calls life, then we make a choice to pursue him. It leads us to pursue him, to know him. And so that's what we want to look at this morning is the pursuit of God. So a disciple with pursuit seeks to know Jesus Christ personally above all things. They seek him through personal spiritual practices like Bible reading and prayer. They also seek him publicly through worship with the body of Christ. That is a pretty simple statement. But what does pursuit look like? 
What does it mean to pursue God? <clears throat> I'm going to start off with a per very personal kind of example. Back in the day, I was a young guy, 23, 24 years old, pursuing life, looking for a wife. There it goes again, alliteration. My goodness, I'm getting good at this. At any rate, in the process of that, I came across a young lady that piqued my interest. So I pursued her. And in the pursuit of her at one point, early on in our relationship, I asked her to marry me. And she said, no, thank you, and laughed very gently. <clears throat> I was crushed. I was overwhelmed with grief. Not at all. I continued to pursue her because I thought she was worth it. Then one day she invited me to marry her. Now, you ask her, she'll tell you a different story, but it's my story right now. But the reality was, we were out hiking, and she just kindly suggested that if I asked the question again, I might get a different answer. What does that sound like to you? <clears throat> and from that point on, we moved forward in a relationship. And probably about, oh, seven or eight months later, we were married. Was it, were we done? You want to know something? That was just the beginning. We've been married 47 plus years. And I can tell you that in our first years of marriage, I took for granted that things were going to work out well. I took for granted that all the hard work was behind me in pursuing Brenda. Only to find out that I was falling way short of the mark. And so... 47 years later, I can tell you that I am still pursuing her. Still trying to understand who she is. Still trying to grapple with how our lives can be woven together. And that takes me to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. <clears throat> they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. They that wait upon the Lord. You know what the word wait actually means in the Hebrew? It's a complex word. It's not just simply a passive waiting. It's actually an active waiting. It implies the twisting together or the weaving together of our lives with the Lord. You see, that's what pursuing is. I pursued Brenda, and I'm still pursuing her. Why? Because I want to see our lives woven together in such a way that we become stronger. And we're weaving together our relationship in the Lord. So there's this verse in Ecclesiastes 9, I believe, verse 11. It goes like this. A three-chord strand is not easily broken. It starts off with, how can one remain warm alone? Two are better. And then it goes on to say, but a three-strand rope is not easily broken. And it's the weaving together of our lives with the life of Christ that gives us strength individually and then as a couple. And so that's one of the things I want to encourage you. As couples, doesn't matter where you are in the relationship, weave your lives together in God. And in doing so, He will lead you in that process. So Romans chapter 12 <clears throat> New Testament version of the same thing. 
And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be living and holy sacrifices, the kind that will find full acceptance. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, the weaving of our lives together with the Lord is about coming to know Him so well that you change the way you think. You change what's important to you, what's valuable to you. And the result of that is, is that you start to have this sense, a clear sense, that <clears throat> the decisions I make are about pleasing Him. This, the way I live my life is about pleasing Him. Weaving our lives together, pursuing Him, leads us into a whole new realm. There is so much in the Bible about what it means to allow the Lord to lead you. Are you worried and anxious in your job, in your relationships? Weave your lives together with Him. You know why? Hebrews 10 or 4 says that if you do that, you will enter into God's rest. You will be doing things that God wants you to do. And when you know it is what God is asking you to do, the rest of the world can go wherever it wants to go. But you will know that you are standing on something firm, unchangeable, unbreakable. It's a solid foundation. That's what weaving your lives together with God is about. It's about putting yourself in a place of strength, a place of absolute confidence that the next step you take is in the direction God wants you to go. And in that moment... You have rest. I'm going to take a little bit of a turn here, but I'll weave it back together. When we're pursuing God, how do we know what He's like? Well, this summer we did a series in the book of John about how John was written for us to believe. And I can tell you that this summer, that series, as it was being preached, put deep channels in my life about what it means to pursue God. And it took away, no, it didn't take away. What it did is it focused my attention on the end goal. You see, Jesus' life was so specific. When you read through the book of John, Pay attention to how often he says, I only do what the Father says I should do. I only do what I see the Father doing. How often he said, I am all about glorifying the Lord. If you do what I ask you to do, it will glorify the Father. Everything that Jesus did in his life was about honoring the Father. So I take that and I take a look, John chapter 1. It begins like this. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. You get down to verse 14 and it says, And the Word came and dwelt among us, made his home with us. Now, the eight-year-old child was asked this question. Why do you think they called Jesus the Word? You know what her answer was? It was pretty simple. 
Jesus. And show me the slide so I get it right. Nope, the next one. There we go. Because Jesus is all God wants us, all God wants to say to us. Do you catch that? Jesus is the Word. When you're pursuing God, one of the things you need to recognize is that your clear, clearest representation of who God is is Jesus Christ. And if you're not reading the whole Bible through the lens of who Jesus is, you're missing something. Reading the four Gospels, the story of Jesus, understanding his interactions with people, how his heart was always turned towards them and caring for them. This is where we need to go. So if you're pursuing God, it is actually pursuing Jesus, who is God. It's understanding that he is the clearest representation that we have of God's intention and purpose in this world. You can make a choice to live, but you have to also make a choice to include God in that living. And including God in that living means that you include Jesus Christ. You pursue him to know him and to let him work in you. One of the things I realized is, is that there are other things I can pursue. And they can look like I'm pursuing God. Remember I told you last week, one of the choices I made was to become a follower of Jesus. Why? Because I didn't want to make mistakes in my life. I wanted to live the good life. I wanted to live a life of peace and comfort. And so I was pursuing the good life. And it looked like I was pursuing God. And God has a smile on his face because when we choose to pursue something for ourselves and we're in some way saying, Lord, I want you to show me how to live better. He's going, great. It's a great invitation. You see, people can make a choice or an advance towards God with the wrong purposes or incomplete purposes. You might choose to pursue God so that he helps you in your career. You can choose God to help you in a lot of different ways. To help you in ministry. I can remember there was a time when I thought that the best way I could pursue God was to learn how to be an evangelist. That was a mistake. I'm a terrible evangelist. I told this story before. I probably have told it here before, but my eight-year-old buddy was up against the fence and I was threatening to beat him if he didn't become a follower of Jesus. It wasn't quite that graphic. I held him very still, gave him the Roman road, the four scriptures in the book of Romans, and told him he had a choice. God had other intentions and purposes. But trying to do that. God refines us. As we make a step towards him, our motives aren't always pure. But if we're moving towards him, God is always in the business of shaping us and directing us. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23-24. He wants to sanctify us, body, soul, and spirit. And don't worry. God who is faithful, he's at work. He will do it. That's what the scripture says. And so when we make a commitment to pursue him, we're might be going to get it wrong. But you want to know something? God is smiling any step you take towards him. And he's gently guiding you into the fullness of what he intended. I've been a follower of Christ 60 plus years. I have to tell you, I still haven't figured it all out. 
but I'm getting better at it. I'm getting clearer about what I'm supposed to be doing and how I'm supposed to do it. We all can grow into something more. So why do we pursue God? Well, John, 1 John chapter 4 talks about it this way. Where God, God's love is, there is no fear, because God's perfect love drives out fear. It is a punishment, it is punishment that makes a person fear. So love is not made perfect in people's fears. We love because God first loved us. In Jesus Christ, he came and he made a way for every one of us to connect with him, to have a relationship with him. And his intention was to remove all fear. Have you ever done something wrong and wondered if God was frowning? Disapproving? I have. And you want to know something? I remember a friend of ours up in Fort McMurray. I was sort of battling with something one day. And he looked at me and he says, you're kidding me, right? I says, what do you mean? He says, don't you realize that all your sins are forgiven already? And that all you have to do is say, Lord, I'm sorry. Please help me do it better next time. God never turns his face away from us. He is always present to love us. I have this book up here, <clears throat> Tattoos of the Hearts. I've mentioned it a couple times because it's been one of those books that sort of has caught my attention, spoken life to me. In it, he talks about, his name is uh, Greg Boyle. He's a Jesuit priest. He worked in the inner city of uh, Los Angeles amongst the gangs. And uh, he started a number of ministries that reached out to the gang members there. <clears throat> he tells this story about, he says, every year my birthday comes around. And every year, someone from the staff comes and says, your birthday is next Wednesday. And they're going to throw a surprise party for you on Saturday. And he goes, really? You don't have to. Please tell them not to do it. They say, no, they're going to do it. And he says, every year I have to go to that party on Saturday and give a world-class performance of being surprised that it's, they're celebrating my birthday. And he says, it gets tiresome. But my colleague said to me, he says, Greg, it's not for you. It's for them. They love you. And they find joy in loving you. I like that line. Because you want to know something? God finds joy in loving us. He doesn't turn his face away from us. He cares so much that we grow into the fullness of all that he intended for us. There are no limits to his love. He, um, you know that passage that talks about the narrow gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction, narrow is a gate that leads to heaven, to good life. He gave me a new perspective on that this week. I was reading that passage section and he said, you know what? The narrow gate is not about restricting. 
the narrow gate is both narrowing your view so you see accurately what is ahead of you. Narrow is the way. It's very focused. It's very specific. It's in Jesus Christ that we find life. And why is it so important that it's in Jesus? Because Jesus, being God, loves us completely. And in loving us completely, he left heaven, came to earth, lived a life amongst us, so that he would understand our struggles. Scripture says that he learned obedience through what he struggled. So he was like us. He had to learn to be obedient in the midst of struggle. And then he took his perfect life and he said, I'm willing to take all the sin of the world on myself so that everyone can be free from sin. There's not a person in this world that needs to carry the burden of sin. The only reason we carry the burden of sin is because we are aware that we have sinned. Forgot to turn that thing off. Every person in this world has all their sins forgiven. And all we have to do now is acknowledge that God has a better way. We need to say, Lord, I have sinned. Please forgive me. I have missed the mark of what you intended for my life. It doesn't matter how good you've been or how bad you've been. It's the same issue. And in deciding to let God to come in and guide you, you choose life. And choosing life means to know him, to obey him, and hang on to him. Zephaniah, no, Zechariah, no, Zephaniah, sorry, Zephaniah 3.17. For the Lord your God is living among you. Do you believe that? He is mighty to save. He's a mighty Savior. He will take the light in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. There it is. doesn't matter what's happening in your life. All your sins are forgiven. They've been pushed away. And he delights in you. He wants to watch you move towards him. And he takes joy in every step we take towards him. Book of Nehemiah, chapter 8, around verse 10. There's a wonderful story about Israel finding the book of the law. And it was found in the rubble. And so it was brought out. And Ezra and company read the book of the law to the people of Israel. And it says that they became so convicted of their sin that they just started crying and weeping. And I think it was Ezra got upset. He goes, he called out and he says, hold on, guys, you got to stop this. This is a joyful day because the word has been revealed to us. And you need to know that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And when you read it in context, you realize that what he was saying is the choices you make bring joy to the Father's heart. And when you make a decision to pursue him, to know him, 
to allow him to shape you, the biggest grin breaks out on his face. And he sings over you with a glad heart. So pursue him. So I'm going to do something here. We have a microphone here. And I didn't warn you beforehand, so I'm going to give you a minute to think about this. But I want you to think about this question. Beyond what the Bible says, beyond what your parents have told you, how do you know that God loves you? How has he shown up in your life to say, I love you? I'm going to give you a moment to think on that. And then I'm going to invite some of you to share, if you're comfortable doing that. How do you know that God loves you? If you want to share, just lift your hand and I'll bring the microphone to you. I'll come down a step or two so I don't have to go so far. It's just as simple. Oh. It's just as simple as the kids' song. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Okay. Anyone else? Um, I've been sort of brought into some work for, to protect uh, teaching in schools. Mm -hmm. And so God has connected me with people that I knew 20 years ago. And those people who lived in different provinces know each other, and I'm now interacting with them. So he's um, making connections um, you can see that he's been working for decades, really, to um, bring things to the point that they are at now. Amen. Way up there. Yes. Thank you. Be there shortly. In 2014, I had a throat infection, give me a heart infection, and I almost died. Mm. And as I was in the, the doctor, uh, as I was in the bed, the in the hospital right now, I feel like that self the first time of my life. And there, I remember the first doctor came, did not, did not give me any medication, but the second one came. And before the second one came, the Lord, I feel like that's the episode the Lord told me, Andre said, you're feeling good. And there, the second daughter came in the morning, and there he said, and there I said, I'm feeling good. But I felt like that self. But I knew why the Lord told me that, to build my spirit up. Because if you think negative, then you will surely die. Mm. It was the enemy, right? And I prayed to God, Father God. My life is to you. 
And I remember laying there on my bed, and the only thing I want to do is just kneel and pray, get off my knees and just pray to God. And there's the only thing I know to give him praise and thanks that's what I do all the time. So there, I, the Friday, I get out of the hospital, and I went home, and I felt like, wow, the heart functions all over. I'm like, I couldn't do anything right, right? And there I kneel and I pray to God and I said, God, for you is my Lord, you is my God. I believe in you. I don't believe in what the doctor said, that I'm not going to recover, but I believe in you, that you are going to heal me. And for you is my God. And you is my everything. And there it came. And there it came to me. I said, Father God, my life is to you. And if I die, I go with you. But I'm going not to let this keep me from serving you and doing what I, what I love. And there, the Lord told me, I was like slowly. I couldn't walk properly. Like Everything was so crazy. And the first thing I knew is to go ride a bike. And there I started to go and ride a bike. And there I gave up my strength. And there I went to the basketball court, walking slowly. Mm-hmm. And there, I mean, step by step. But I trusted God in faith put my life in God's hands. I knew I had to go back to work two weeks' time. And there, I remember taking my daughter, my, my little girl to a movie, and there it was. I felt like I want to faint. But there, I said, Father God, my life is inside your hands. If you take me, I go with you. Please let me take her to the movie. And there, the Lord blessed me to take her to the movie. And I had to go back to work the next day. I said, Father God, my life is inside of your hands. If I die, I go with you. So please let me to work and, and put all my faith and trust in God. And there the Lord blessed me bit by bit, bit by bit. And I went to work and I feel better, better. And there it came now. I remember when the Lord came to me, the one to know I was recovering so fast, right? After my good doctor. But I told him, it's God. Yes. The, Lord, the Lord put me on a diet. And he said, take oatmeal and, and he just give me this wonderful diet to build my heart back up. And then, I remember the morning when I went to get my final results to our specialist. And there, the Lord came in a dream to me. A dream to me, I was like, wow. And he wrote love on my heart. He stretched his, his, his hands and wrote love on my heart. I went to the, the, my final result the same morning and it came and there, the doctor, the nurse, was, the nurse and I was communicating and she was like, I told her I quit one pill. She's like, oh no, don't quit the pill because your heart is going to stretch back and forth. So I'm like, okay, but I'm fully healed. She said, no, 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 no. And there, as she was saying this thing, there, the, the, the doctor, the heart specialist came in the room and read the results and said, Andre, your heart is fully healed. Praise the Lord. And there she said to me, why you? Why you? I said, because I believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, my Savior, after healed me. And there I wrote in a book and said, Father God, for you have healed my heart. You came in person and healed me. So my life is to God. And I encourage every one of you, put your trust in God because he's alive and well. He came to me and healed me. So he could do anything. He could do wonder, wonders for every single one. Like, yes. He loves us so much. And if he could come in person and heal me, he could do the same for you. And he loves us. He loves us. He loves us so much, man. Amen. Thank you. just going to say I have an older friend that I met about 25 years ago at the nursing station where I worked at the hospital 
And she was one of the first ladies who planted a seed probably in my life um, about God every day when we would go for a break at the hospital. She would bow her head and pray before she ate, no matter what conversation was happening at the table. And she never did a lot more than that besides just showing how she lived for Jesus. If the doctor on rounds would say the Lord's name in vain, she would just walk away and go back to the nurse's desk. <laughs> and uh, when he came to find her, she, he'd say, where did you go? She said, well, you used my best friend's name as a swear word, so I couldn't stay with you. She was an amazing example. Um, I lost track of her for many years, and then one day I was sitting at church, and I heard her voice. She walked right in front of me in the pew I was sitting at and sit beside, sat beside me three chairs over. Um, mm -hmm. This summer, she was on my heart quite a bit. We, we visited lots over the last few years. I would go to her house for lunch. This summer, um, I had phoned her, and she just was a little out of sorts, so chatted with her a bit. I asked her if I could come visit, and she said, oh, no. I said, okay, that wasn't like her, but then throughout the summer, God put her on my heart, so I thought of her. I prayed for her, but I didn't phone her, and then one day, I was out in Saskatchewan at the cabin, and God put her on my heart so strongly that I sat at the table immediately and phoned her. It was 7.23 in the evening on August 16th, and I didn't get a hold of her, so I just left her a message and told her that I was thinking about her and I loved her and that she should call me. She called me Muggsy. My name's Margaret. So I just told her, it's Muggsy. And I didn't hear from her. So last night, a friend had shared a sermon with me to encourage me. I was listening to the sermon, and she came to mind so strongly that when I was done the sermon, I googled her and I found her obituary mm. and she died on August 16th the day that the Lord sat me at the table to phone her and I think that's how God shows us that he loves us and he loves our friends amen you see what it is is it's God showing up in unusual ways unexpected ways sometimes as dramatic as a healing Sometimes as simple as bringing someone to mind. Sometimes it's as simple as God saying, take cookies to your neighbor. And in the process of that, a relationship starts and they become a follower of Jesus. That's been our experience in the past. So I want to encourage you, pursue God. Allow him to be your life. Twine your lives together with his verse from Galatians says, I am crucified with Christ, but I don't live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, who gave himself for me. So pursue God. And your life will never be the same. Please stand as we do the benediction this morning. going to do it differently. Who are you? Okay, say it better than that. Who are you? What's your purpose? Yes. Called into his redemptive mission in the world. So go and be who you are. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, serve him faithfully. Amen.
Hey, and welcome back. Thanks for listening to this Sunday's message. We hope that we've helped you in your spiritual journey and that you're drawing closer to God. At Crosspoint, we gather on Sundays at 10 a.m. in Northeast Edmonton and throughout the week in something we love to call home groups. Home groups are encouraging and transformational communities for people just like you. We believe that the journey of faith is done together. So we hope that you'll connect with us at thecrosspointchurch.ca. Now, let me remind you of who you are. You are the people of God, called by God into his redemptive mission in the world. So be who you are.